It's about to go down with Mark and Kathy, a live coaching show about dropping ideas. Mark and Kathy coach and have conversations with brilliant idea creators who are reimagining the world through the expression of their words, thoughts, and actions. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to It's About to Go Down. I'm Mark Williams. I'm Kathy Armias, and we have Leo Flowers with us. Leo is a comedian. He's a life coach. He's a podcaster. He's an all-around really cool dude, and I met him. I got to meet him a couple of years ago. We were just both walking down the street, Mark, in Marina Del Rey, and I don't even know what it was that connected to us, but we started talking and Leo's like, I have a podcast. And I'm like, I have a book. And then all of a sudden we were talking about ideas and cool things. And would you believe it? I ended up on his podcast, but in my hotel room, like him and his partner brought all of their podcasting stuff. And we did, we did a, a live version right there the day that we met. So, you know, you know, Leo's an ideas guy. So really excited to have you on the show, Leo. We are going to have a conversation with Leo about his idea. He was telling Mark and I that he had this idea that people can be franchisable. And what would it take to make somebody franchisable? So Leo, welcome to the show and tell us about this idea. All right. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. This is uh, this is really cool. And it's so funny because I actually don't even remember what I meant when I said franchisable, but, <laughs> but, you know, and, but that's because, you know, one, I'm speaking from the heart, right. But mm-hmm. two, well, as I'm thinking about that question, franchisable, uh, you know, I played college football and the dream was always to go to the NFL. Then I had some injuries. And, you know, when you think about the NFL and, and being a professional NFL player, you hear them talking about the franchise player. This is the player that they can't let go of. You know, this mm-hmm. is the guy who's locked into the contract no matter what, and they're going to build their team around them. Mm-hmm. And so I love that idea of a franchise player and being franchisable, meaning that I don't have to be all the things. I can just be the thing that other things are built around I can be that centerpiece, the grounding piece, and then we can build a team around me. And I think that's valuable to note because a lot of people feel like they have to be all the things. They got to be a parent, a protector, a provider, uh, all the P's, whatever the other P's are. <laughs> that, you know, they want to check those, <laughs> those boxes and they're trying to be in all these different places at once. They're saying yes to everything. And then they end up depressed, burnt out, exhausted. And, and then they just quit completely. When you're franchisable, you realize I'm the centerpiece. And mm-hmm. I can have these character players around me. I can have support staff. I can outsource. I can delegate. I can recruit, I can invite people in, I can work collaboratively. And that's what a franchise player is. I'm at the center and then I can watch these things work around me. It's almost like if you think about like a a producer or director, they're not writing the movie, they're not acting in the movie, they're kind of the centerpiece. And then they go and get the actors and they get the writer and they do all these different things. And then you have something beautiful. And I think that 
once we realize that we can put our ego to the side, right? We don't have to get all the credit for the outcome. That allows us to, to be that centerpiece. Sometimes you can be in the middle and then you're surrounded and then nobody sees it's, it's you that brought the team together. And that's okay. If you look at Steve Jobs, one of the things he mentioned as his favorite product, you know, people thought he was going to say the iPhone, the iPad, the MacBook, one of those. And he said, no, my team. He goes, when you can create a team that can then create, generate these ideas for the iPhone, the MacBook, the iPod, and all those things, he goes, that's your most important investment. That's why even in dating, in relationships, where it's not just enough to think about your partner, it's to think about their friends, their relationships, their family, because now you are linked into all of that. And those things can either expand your life or it can contract your life. And so we always want to think about who we're surrounding ourselves with and recognize that we are or can be responsible for that. And so when I think about franchisable, that's, that's what I mean right there is that we can be at the center and build around us so that we don't have to pull all the strings. Well, hot damn, that episode over, like done. <laughs> I, I was like, Mark, I was like, wow, that's not, I mean, you and I could play a little game because that's not, that was, that was a lot deeper than what I was originally thinking when I heard franchisable. I love that, Leo. There's so much in there. Mark, what did you pull out of it? You and I can play a little game because Leo just like blew that up. That was awesome. First of all, as, as coaches who always ask questions, you answered all the questions before we could ask them. That's first of all. Um, you know what stood out to me? First of all, just the, the I like the, the phrase franchisable. But what I liked also was that it kind of counters something that we often hear. And not only is it that you don't have to be all things, but you touched upon that, but this idea that we are all a part of something, right? Mm -hmm. But you're not just saying, you know, just be a part of something. You're talking about being the centerpiece um, of something. And, And I thought that was a little bit of a twist on two things we hear. Either you got to be everything or you got to be a part of thing. You're saying you got to be the center of the thing and have things build around. So that's what really stood out to me. So thank you for dropping that knowledge. Thank you for stealing all the questions out of my mouth. But I promise I'll think of some more questions to ask you. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, here's another thing that he said that I thought, and I'll, you know, I'll take this from what you just said, Mark, and I'll go uh, to expand on that a little bit more because when he said, you don't, you don't, you, you can, you can be, you need to be the centerpiece, but you also at the same time, don't need to be everything. You don't even need to be in the forefront. So that that's also like, cause if you tell somebody you're front and center, you think of that, you think, oh, well, being the center means you need to be everything or, and you even talked about it as kind of a behind the scenes center. I love that. I personally, when we were having the conversation, Leo, before I took from it that in order to be successful in something, you need to be franchisable. In my mind, I was thinking repeatable. That was the first thing that kind of came to my head. Like 
I think about songs and is somebody like, does somebody successfully do something once? And you're like, oh, great. They've written one good book or they have one good song. They have one thing that they did 20 years ago that they're still trying to like, you know, get credit for, or can they repeat it again? And that would make somebody franchisable. So that was a piece. That's what my, that's where my head went to. Yeah, that part sounds more about scalability, right? Mm -hmm. So franchisable is can I be at the center and then build around me, build a team around me? And then can we scale our ideas, right? If I come up with a, or or can we scale our system? That's the part that, uh, you know, when we talk about repeatable, that's the beautiful part. Another part too is, you know, Mark talked about like, um, you know, being at the center. And a lot of times we have to recognize we don't have to be a franchise player in every area of our lives. There's mm-hmm. some areas mm-hmm. where we're su- the support staff. We are we are the number two or the number five. And then there's some areas where we're the number one. Maybe you are the franchise player at home in your household just because of the way things are laid out. But at work, you're the number three. You're the support staff. And that's great. What we're suffering is, is when one, we're unaware of what our role is. And then two, if we're not willing to play that role and accept it, you know, especially if we're that person who's like, I should be at the center, I should be in the middle. A lot of times where we think we want to be makes us not appreciate where we are. And then also, Sometimes we're not even aware of what being the franchise player entails. It may look good when you're on the outside, when you're support staff, when you're number two, you're like, I want that number one. And then you get that position, you're like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be at all. You know, there's so many stats that talk about the lack of uh, uh, women who are CEOs. And what people fail to mention is that the CEO position is a very tenuous job. They get fired all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I think only uh, you know eighty percent of them are able to hold that position for longer than three years. And mm-hmm. the hours you have to put in, you're the fall guy when things go south, and then you get the credit when things go up. And then the, the you know you're not really responsible for things going up or down. You just need a figurehead or a face. Or, or just, you know, talking piece to put out uh, for the media and for public relations, and then that weight falls on you. So if, if you're aware of that, then you may go, I don't even want that. I know it's more money, it's more pay, you get more perks, you can do this and do that. But I, I'll actually, I like to be on the ground. I want my feet, I want to I wanna be, be the one to kick the, the door in. You know, because I want to be one working with teams and, and having my ear to the streets than being up in a penthouse or high rise or some glass office. So if you're if you're number two or number four, you're standing behind the person, that might be the most optimal place for you because not everybody needs to be out front to lead. Mm. Wow. You know, <clears throat> first of all, I wrote down you don't have to be a franchise player to be franchisable. Mm -hmm. Because that's something I definitely heard. Um, And I even wrote a little bit earlier, how can you be the centerpiece without being the center of attention? Mm. 
My question is, as you were speaking, I'm trying to think, who are franchisable people, right? I think of basketball and Michael Jordan was the franchise player. But if we were to take an example like that or maybe some other example, who would be considered franchisable even though they were not a franchise player? And I ask you that because I think the answer to that question cements even further your definition. So typically, great question, Mark. Thank you for asking that. Uh, typically, when I think about who's franchisable outside the realm of sports, in my family, it's my cousin Simone. And what makes her franchisable is that the events are usually built around her. She's the person calling people, connecting people. She brings people together. If she were not a part of the family, I don't know who would fill that role. But, you know, and usually it's the grandmother. The, the, it's like the, the, the matriarch in the family where, you know, the, the kids are arguing and bickering, the cousins are doing this and that, and, and grandma just sitting back watching it all go down. And then grandma not even making a fuss. She just kind of like, let me, let me talk to you over here in the corner the one time. Let me tell you, let me tell you what, what we're going to do here. And now don't tell nobody I done told you this, but if you're going over there. So the, the, the sometimes the franchise player is not the one making all the noise, drawing all the attention. Mm. It's the person who is, you know, just kind of whispering a little something in your ear, telling mm. you how it really is and, and, and showing you a bigger picture of things. So then slowly that seed gets planted and spreads throughout. And then she gets to sit back and watch the magic happen, right? And it, it's, it's the same person who, who does all the cooking and doesn't eat the food. She mm -hmm. just wants to see everybody's reaction, mm -hmm. right? So we have the, the people like, and, and you know, I know Tom Brady's going through a, a divorce mm -hmm. right now, but Tom Brady took a pay cut so that he could, you know, so the team could afford to pay for players that would help him succeed, right? So a lot of times when we think about a franchise player, we think about all these uh, extravagant, big plays, uh, big shows of love. They buy, they buy all the big gifts and all of that. But then you also need the person who knows how to talk to everybody uh, on a side real quick. Mm -hmm. so that everybody else can can calm down and work together and get this done. And so we need both the pit bull, right? You need a pit bull. You need somebody who's going to go in there and make a mess. And then you need somebody who knows how to gently clean it up. But you need both. And we can't exist. Like when we think about a pack of wolves, the alpha, everybody wants to be the alpha. All this talk about the alpha. But the alpha needs the betas or else he's just a wolf. Yeah. You can only be an alpha in comparison to the rest of the group. But if you're by yourself, you, is and not to say it's just you because you are enough, but then there is no delineation as to what your role is, right? So the betas need the alpha, because what the alpha does is the alpha is the one who is going to lead by example. He's the one who's going to say, this is what we're going to do. 
And he's the one who we know is going to execute and he believes in this or he or she believes in whatever they're laying out, right? Where the betas then just, they, they fall in line. And, you know, we need both. When we think, like, uh, another example is our gut biome. A lot of people think of a, a healthy gut biome in our bodies to help digest food, where, like, all we need are all the healthy bacteria. That's not how the body works. The body actually works in a 217 ratio in terms of gut bacteria. There's 20% good bacteria in our gut, 10% bad bacteria, and the other 70% are opportunists. The universe and people are the same way. 20% of people are good, 10% are bad, and the 70% of us are opportunists. We're looking to see who makes the most convincing argument. We're looking to see, do I go left or do I go right? Who, who's making the strongest case here? And that's the direction I will go. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need that for balance because our gut biome is telling us, listen, we need a 217 ratio to healthily digest and to work optimally. So we need those bad apples that everybody's trying to get rid of. We need those or those off the gut uh, biome ratio. So we have to be aware of the things we're trying to exclude. I don't hang around toxic people or negative people. No, you actually might need one or two of those on your team to balance out the team. You need somebody who's going to say something that makes people uncomfortable. So at least it keeps the conversation moving forward mm. and people aren't hiding behind their ideas. Wow. So what I just, <laughs> wow. my mind is blown, Mark, right? I'm like, wow, we need back bad bacteria in our lives. We definitely need that, right? I love this, Leo. This is such a great I love how far this has expanded so quickly. Um, you said some things that are really cool. I love the two one seven ratio. It makes me think that anytime it, it, that whole thing just made me think anytime there's too many of the same type of people in a situation, it's always bad. Right. And so I love that thinking about that balance and even the shakeup between good and bad. That's all really good. I have a question. If, if the idea was that people should position themselves to be a little bit more franchisable, what would be the thing that we would say to an individual? Like what would they need to do to, to become more franchisable or to be more that's, of a franchisable player? That's a great question. And, and the first thing I would say is you have to be aware of what your strengths are. One of the things that really helped me was this book called Strength Finders mm. by mm. Tim Roth. And if you've never read the book or uh, taking the assessment, basically what it is, is you take this assessment like a personality test and he tells you what your strengths are. You know, for me, it was input, being a visionary, a futurist and commander. I forget what my fifth one is, but when you learn what you're, and I think it's on a scale of maybe there are 35 different personality traits. And so you learn what your top five are. And then he explains to you how to utilize your top five. If you're an input, like for me, I'm an input person. So that's why I read a lot. And that's why I know about the 217 gut biome, just because I'm an input person. Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter where the information is coming from. My brain is hungry for information. And then I'll connect it to something else somewhere 
you know, down the line as I did in this example. Um, and then, you know, futuristic. So I, I read things about the future and I think about the future, all those different things. So once you're aware of what your top five are or, or what your strengths are, then it, the book also explains who you need to pair with so that you can build an effective team. So for myself, because I'm more of, oh, learner was the other one. So because I'm more of an input learner type of person, that's a bit more passive in terms of activity. So my, for me to work optimally and build my team, I want to uh, connect with someone who is an executioner, somebody who gets things done. They're not reading as much as I am. They're not learning as much as I am. But if I give them an idea and say, I want this done, they will get that done. And so when you recognize who you are and how you best operate, then you know what to outsource for and how to build your team around that. And it, it actually helps me even in relationships because a lot of times if you're an input person and you're with somebody who's an executioner, but you're not aware of that dynamic, mm -hmm. you might get, I might get mad at the executioner for, you know, not taking the time to, for input. And I'm like, why don't you read more? Why aren't you learning more? Why I just keep doing, doing, doing? I don't want to do. And then that person might get upset with me. But because now I'm aware of what my strengths are, what my roles are, what my talents are, and then what theirs are, now I can appreciate the mm. fact that they're executing. I can appreciate what activities they're involved in and why they're thinking the way they think and doing what they do. And then we can appreciate each other better. And then also communicate when maybe how they're executing doesn't work for you in that moment because mm. you know it, it's not a hundred percent i'm going to agree with what you're doing and vice versa but it, it helps to foster a healthy communication mm. love this going to school <laughs> i know i love this so much it's such a great conversation I, I still, Mark, I don't know about you, but I still can't get my brain off of like, cause you know me, I, like many times I'll try to like, I'm like, okay, if this is an idea and if Leo, you were, if this was like a Ted talk and you were talking about it, I would like be like, okay, how do we translate this down to the person? And, and you've given some tips on how they can like, what they can do, find your strengths, of course, find the people around you. And like, and I still think like, I, I'm still like what, you know, my mind is going to that space of like, why would I want to be franchisable and how would like where, what, what, you know, and there's like, as you mentioned, Leo, there's different areas that you could be franchisable and where would it be important? Like Mark, for you, for instance, like you're very much the franchised player in your family for sure. Right. You know, I mean, Lauren is as well, but like, you know, you, you two are definitely like, you're, you're definitely a huge, you're the huge part of your family. You bring a lot of input, you know, like Leo's mm -hmm. saying, you bring a lot of input into the family and there's, there's, there's a lot um, going on within your unit. What does it look like for you to be franchisable outside of your family? And, and what, what do you even want out of that? Like, I'm, I, I mean, I was even thinking about that. What are your expectations? And you don't have to answer that, Mark. I'm just saying like, those are the things like you would ask a person, right? Well, you I know. can give you uh, another example. Sorry, Mark, for cutting you off. So for it. example, um, you know, at home, my girlfriend is an executioner. I'm the input person, right? But so when I think about franchisable, I think about the fact that during the pandemic, it was my, me and my girlfriend, we're in this apartment and I'm in a new city. 
And then I go, I need to, I need more people around me because my friends at the time were so far. So I started an online or a Zoom group with a bunch of guys who were on my podcast. I just reached out to them. I said, hey, I really enjoyed our conversation on the podcast. And I'd love to connect you with some other like-minded individuals. Once a week, we can talk, we can chat, and we can just talk about all these different ideas and mm-hmm. concepts and and really just, uh, you know, uh, be a support for each other. And I didn't think it would go great. I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. And I didn't really have a, a, a plan except to meet once a week for 90 minutes. And it just slowly evolved. And and even though I was the franchise player, you know, we started off with, uh, it was myself and then uh, seven other people. And three dropped out, but there's four of us. We call ourselves the Four Horsemen now, or mm-hmm. Andas, right? Four Horsemen is our, our sub name, but, but Anda is the, the original name. And, what, and, and we started that during the pandemic. So it's been over two years now that we have been, or, or a year and a half, two years, where we've been meeting once a week online. Mm-hmm. And as and none of us have all met together at once. So that's an example where I put myself in the middle and said, I want to surround myself with this group of guys and have these conversations. And that's been very beneficial for me. And so you can do it that way. You can say, how do I build a team around me? And you can, so that's my, like my social team that I built around me. And then I have a mental health team, right? I have a, I have a, a you know, where I have a, a psychologist. I have my own psychologist. Uh, you know, I have an acupuncturist. I have a doctor from Canada. I have, I'm in a, um, a sugar and carbs addicts group, right? So I've built these teams around me in different areas so that I feel supported. And I know that I have these different resources I can go to. Now, there are other areas of which I'm in the support. And I recognize that. I have friends who are doing great things. And so, you know, going to their shows, watching their games, or even you can support people online by just commenting and saying, hey, I love what you're doing. I'm so proud of you. This is amazing. That's that's a way to be support. So it doesn't always have to be these grand um uh, uh, displays of support. It can be as something as small as leaving a comment or just sharing something that they've posted and letting them know how much it, it connected with you. So I got to tell you, <clears throat> the first thing I thought as you were sharing that, especially when you talked about starting this Zoom group with, you know, the men who were on your, on your podcast, I heard you refer to yourself as a franchise player. And then I wrote, well, how did you go from being the franchise player to franchisable? Now you may have answered it when you said this, and this is something that really resonated with me. You talked about building a team around you to support you. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be an interesting dichotomy, mm-hmm. right? Because when you think about building a team around you, it seems like it's all about you and everybody depends and, you know, you're the sun and we're the, you know, we're, we're the planets. But 
it wasn't about you being the sun. It was almost like you being, I don't know, I'm gonna pick another planet, Saturn. And you brought all these planets together just so we can figure out how the sun could help all of us. So I, I just thought that was very interesting. Building a team around you to support you might be how you go from franchise player to franchise evolve. Mm. I, Mark, I also picked up on the fact that I wrote it down and I realized I wrote it down twice, but it was like he used the term putting yourself in the middle. And again, when he, if somebody just heard that out of context, they would think that the person's like, oh, I'm putting myself in the middle of this. It's all about me, which is not at all what Leo's talking about. But here's something that's really powerful. Like the men in Leo's, you know, group, the four that remain, the other pr three probably didn't know each other and would have no other connection mm -hmm. other than Leo. So also I was thinking about that's a big connector move right there as well. Like that, when you put yourself in the middle, your uh, Simone, your cousin, you know, is the same, right? Leo is like, your cousin is the one that's kind of events wouldn't happen if it weren't for her. And she's kind of, she's kind of the connector too, which makes her very franchisable. So it doesn't have to be the only reason, but that really stood out to me as a big thing is like, that's a, that's a connection point. You, the Tom Brady or you know, grandma in this, in the, the whisper in the ear, like, yeah. So that, so, that, that really stood out to me the middle part as well. You know, you, you both brought up some great points and, and the going from franchise player to franchisable, you're franchisable when you're being invited to be uh, the centerpiece. When mm. you're like, oh. they're, they're, like they're, they're NFL players who are the franchise player in their team. And then in the off season, there are other teams that are like, listen, we want to bring you onto our team. Here's what we're willing to offer you. And we want to build a team around you. And that's so you become franchisable when other people see what you've built in one area, the team that you've built and what you've put out there. And then they invite you over. And I have to credit Walter Payton for that concept because I actually just read earlier, he goes, um, you, when you're good, you tell other people about how good you are, right? He goes, when you're great, other people tell you how great you are. Yeah. And I thought that was powerful in terms of you go from franchise player to franchisable when other people start wanting you on their team because they go, we can uh, use this player, we could build around this guy. Or sometimes they want to bring you in as a support player sometimes you're you're franchisable on one team but the other team wants you as a support player because they have their franchise player but okay. with you on the team now it becomes this kind of superpower it's kind of like the dream team right if you any you know kobe is or or uh, michael jordan is they're going to be the franchise player but they actually have four other franchise players on that team but we recognize who the goat is and a team of five. Yeah. 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 Ooh, that's, it makes it so um, fluid. I love that. I, lo I love that. I love that thought. It's so, really cool. So, so I, I, got a, I got what may seemingly be a random question. Back. Mm. In the Young Money Billionaires, a.k.a. YMB, 
Is Lil Wayne franchisable? Is Nicki Minaj franchisable? Or is Drake franchisable? Mm. (laughs) That's a great question. That's a great question. Because I was just thinking about um, swimming the other day. And I I did a show and some people were asking me uh, if if I know how to swim. And I said, I, I don't really know how to swim and I never thought about learning. And I could hear from the audience, they were kind of groaning. They were like, why wouldn't you want to learn how to swim? Mm. And at the time I didn't really have an answer that resonated with me. Like I had a response for them, something that I said, but it was one of those things where I was kind of scratching my head. Like, yeah, if mm. I'm about learning, why not, why not swimming? Why is it swimming excluded from that? And I realized that I'm kind of like Warren Buffett in that I want to do things with other people. Mm-hmm. And if I had to do it by myself, I'm not really that interested. Swimming mm-hmm. is, yes, you can be on a swim team, um, but it's still mostly an individual sport, like running a marathon. Uh, if you're a marathon runner, yes, you're training with the team and the team, you know, members might actually help you, but there's one person who is receiving that medal or trophy. And I'm, I'm about like, you know, I'm at the end of my podcast, I talk about, let's get to tomorrow together. I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to be Will Smith and I am legend, right? I don't want to be achieving things and, and doing things by myself. To me, that's boring, it's not fun. It's only fun when you get to share the experience. Mm. This is why social media is so big, Facebook, Instagram, because they recognize that we not only wanna have experiences, but we wanna share experiences with people that we feel connected to. And so when we think about the, the Drake or the Nicki Minaj, uh, I think you said Cardi B, um, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Oh, Lil, Lil Wayne. Wayne. So, Lil Wayne to me is not a franchise player in that he's a, there's some people who are swimmers. There's some mm. people who are marathon runners. And like the David Goggins, I don't know if anybody follows David mm-hmm. Goggins, oh, really? but so if you don't know David Goggins, David Goggins is a guy who, who passed all of the elite military uh, uh, teams, Navy SEALs, paratroopers, um, uh, rangers. He passed all those tests, right? And it was like, but I don't want to play with y'all. I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get my medals and bounce. I just wanted to get, I just to check that as a, a, off as a box. He said, but I'm not trying to like go on the planet with y'all. You know, I just want to say I did it and it's done. So now I'm going to go back to running and yelling in front of a camera. As I so you have to recognize why you're in the game. Are you, are you in this because of the process? Because you enjoy what you do and who you're doing it with? Or do you just like to accomplish things and it's a, it's a check mark for you? And, and, and both are okay. Mm-hmm. But not, not being aware, that's what's not okay. And that's where the screaming and the suffering comes from. 
I love that. He said, he said, you have to recognize why you're in the game. Yes. That was really good. I love that. That's starting to unravel a lot for me, Leo, because I think, you know, when you start thinking about this, you know, especially in your space of being like a, a life coach and, and some of the podcasting, right. You're having these conversations with people and everybody shows up in a different way for a different reason, in a different space, depending on who, you know, depending on what area of their life they are. And so I even think it's like, you have to recognize like why you're in the game and then also even like what game you're playing, like which one you're in. It's a totally different game over here than it is over here. And that's what I was alluding to with you, Mark, like your family's mm. a whole different area. And so I love this conversation because it's, it it's just the way it adjusts Leo. This is so, I mean, honestly, you've got my, you've got me to check your box. You could, you could talk about this tomorrow on a Ted stage done. Check. Like, it's really good. I love how this has come together. Um, I, I have another question for you as well that I'm thinking. Um, I'm just, I want to, I want to add that, you know, the antithesis to this, right? Like, what if somebody said, what if, what if somebody was like, I don't want to be any of those things? <laughs> like, would that make them a completely like a behind the scenes, like you said, a supporting player? What, what if somebody literally wanted to just be the supporting player everywhere in their life that they just don't have that? Like, are we encouraging people to be a franchise player somewhere or are we not? I don't know. That's a, that's a wonderful question. Um, and, you know, it's, a, it's really all about how you're framing your life. Because sometimes we can be a franchise player and not even be aware of it. Uh, this mm. brings to mind David and Goliath, right? Let's, let's go back into mm. the Bible where, mm. you know, David was uh, a shepherd, and, but he was also trained. He was also trained with the slingshot. And so the story that's told is like this, this weak and feeble uh, boy with this little toy rock that he can throw against this giant giant. But what people don't really know is that you really didn't want to be on the other end of that slingshot when David released it because he was nice mm -hmm. with it, you know. And so but he was a guy who reluctantly took that position. Um, and so we have people who reluctantly step forward because they recognize that it's for the better uh, of, the, of the group and of the team and of the community. Um, Alexander Graham Bell was one of those people. His mom, you know, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone and his mom had lost her hearing when he was very young and he wanted to do something about that. And so he invented the telephone so that uh, he could uh, better communicate with his mom to, to kind of amplify the hearing. And then, you know, uh, Edison found out about it. And then Edison was his catalyst for, listen, we got to scale this. Uh, you got, you have something really big here and we need to promote this. We need to get this out there. And, and you know, Alexander Graham Bell was like, I, you know, I, my mom can hear better now. I created a thing. I did what I wanted to do. And Edison's like, nah, bro, I need you on a train. I need you going from city to city. I need you to make this money. I need you to put your pants and shoes on and iron a shirt and make a sandwich. And I need you to go out here and get this money. And so, you know, throughout the whole book, you know, Alexander Graham Bell's just kind of like, oh, okay, I'll go do it. And, 
And he actually had to convince people that the telephone was a wonderful thing, you know? Mm. So we had people who reluctantly take these positions, uh, not realizing that the skills and talents that they've acquired and built have made them the prime candidate for that. And they often are the best leaders because there's no ego involved. They're not, they're doing it for the right reasons. They recognize that it's, uh, you know, for a, a bigger purpose. And so to, to actually go back to what you were saying initially, Kathy, about what if somebody, you know, doesn't want that role, what we often find is as we go through life, our roles change, mm. right? Like yeah. Tom Brady is not permanently the franchise player of the team that he's on, right? As, you know, Walter Payton wasn't permanently the franchise player. Like CEOs don't last forever. So sometimes we go from being a franchise player of multiple teams to then no teams just because of age, attrition, maybe the economy changes, the dynamics change, a pandemic happens. So there are things that are out of our control that can change our role. And so that's why it's also important to be adaptable and flexible and also not to uh, over attach our identity to our role saying I'm all I'm only the franchise player. Yeah. Well, listen, we don't need you to be the franchise player. We mm. got the franchise player. We need you to be the support. That kind of thing. I mean, your gut bacteria could shift at any time, right? We don't know. Um, I love that. Mark, what do you think about like I love that a lot because that when when Leo said I'm just curious what your thoughts are because when Leo said that, I was thinking about nobody stays in the same place forever. Not even, not even the grandma who earned this position because of her entire life, but she wasn't in that position when she was a child, but she wasn't in that position maybe when she was a young mom, like, right. So you, some of these spaces you get put into because of positioning or you're an Alexander Graham Bell where you're like, you get dragged into it or something. Yeah. I'm just curious. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Mark, about the, about the shifting of that? Listen, there are so many things. First of all, Leo, you should you you should do videos re, uh, retelling history uh, I know. because that, that was one of the best history lessons I've ever told, I've ever heard. It's so entertaining and so enlightening. Like I didn't even know that about his mom, and just the way you told it and re, I, I loved it. I loved it. That's so good. one. So good. Right. Two, um, you made me realize I am the new Aunt Grace. What the hell does that mean? Mm. My Aunt Grace growing up was franchisable. Mm. She was the one who had everybody's phone number, everybody's address. She was the one calling everybody for their birthdays. And I remember when my Aunt Grace passed, may she rest in peace. One of the promises I made at her funeral was that I was going to take her place. I could not take her place. I, I, I just could not keep track of everybody like that. And yet during the pandemic, when my aunt Naima passed and we decided we were going to get on a Zoom call to celebrate her life. And now we've been doing this Zoom call once a month for the last two years. Mm. I have become the Aunt Grace because I'm the one setting up the Zoom calls and sending out the reminders about the Zoom calls. And she was the franchisable and then Little old Mark Williams didn't know that he was going to take that role. So to your point, roles change all the time. I love that. Three, 
I love this line. Don't mm. attach your identity to your role. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. And to expand on what Leo said in, in relation to the question you asked earlier, Kathy, for anybody who doesn't want to be franchisable, I don't want to be a franchise player. What I heard Leo say also is that it's not always about wanting to be franchisable, but it's recognizing what might make you franchisable. Mm. Because earlier Leo said that franchisable is not about me telling you what I'm good at. It's sometimes about other people recognizing what you're great at. So you may not want to be it, but everybody around you because of what you do recognizes that. So being aware of what makes you franchisable, whether you want to be or not, is really mm. important. And the last thing on, on my diatribe here is, Leo, I see this not only as a message for individuals, but it's also a, men a, a message for teams and communities and groups. Because what I also hear out of this is, we often think of franchise player as that individual, but franchisable could potentially mean that there are multiple people on your team who could be franchisable. And the thought of how everybody on my team could be franchisable is mind blowing. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, Mark. Oh my God, I love that. Because then you're starting to think about what, what it is that makes that person who they are. It goes back to the strengths that you were talking about, Leo. I also think, you know, part of what you said, Mark, you made me really think about it too. When Leo said that, that line about uh, Peyton, whom, you know, and we use this in the speakers industry, a good speaker says, you know, here I am. And a great speaker says, there you are. That's the difference between somebody, you know, being the speaker or speaking to the audience, you know, to their people. I was thinking about reputation because a reputation is earned by somebody else saying that you've done this well. Many times we earn a reputation, whether it be good or bad, because of, of what people are saying, even if you don't recognize it, again, good or bad. Like if, if there's word of mouth about somebody, it's because, oh my gosh, Leo is this amazing comedian. It's not because Leo went out there and said, hey, I'm an amazing comedian. It's because there's been word of mouth. And so also the other piece of maybe this whole thing is in order to be franchisable, you have to have an audience. Like there has to be some, like, right? There has to be somebody that's creating that reputation. I mean, even for any of the teams, who would care how good of a, a you know, football player Tom Brady is if nobody's watching football, <laughs> right? So I don't know. I thought about that too. And that comes in our, and that comes in all three of our areas a lot because we speak to audiences. We have audiences, but I was thinking about it. Everybody has an audience. Yes. Whether that audience is your family, if you're the grandmother or I don't know. Anyway, just a thought, just something to add to it. Cause that reputation I think is playing a big part in that. Well, and I, and I love that last statement you made in terms of everybody has an audience because a lot of times we don't recognize the impact that we're having on other people mm. just by being who we are. So yeah. we're often you know, taught to believe that we have to go and take these classes and courses and get a coach. And yes, even though I've done those things, uh, we can also lead by example. But where I used to live, there was this old Asian lady who I would see walking every day. 
and her posture was so straight and she just had such a, a, a beautiful energy about her. And, and you can tell that this is something that she did rain or shine. Sometimes I, and she was old and sometimes I see her out there walking early in the morning at 6 a.m. And sometimes I see her walking as late as 10 p.m. And it's, these are dark streets. And this lady was just determined to get her steps in and walk around and be outdoors. And, and I, you know, and I love that because it taught me the power of consistency mm. because she seemed mobile. She had her, her, she had all her faculties. She seemed very independent. I knew nothing about her, but I just projected all these ideas onto her because of who she was being and how she was being. Now I may find out that, you know, none of it's true or whatever, but I don't need to find out anymore. All that, the truth doesn't need to exist. Only my truth needs to exist if it's beneficial and healthy for me. Mm. So sometimes we think when we see something awesome or beautiful or someone who's cool that we need to go talk to them and find out more. Why not pause, take a breath and see how that person's being resonates and affects you mm. and then let that be the truth because the closer we get to what we think is the truth so i start asking you questions i'm going to start to realize there are cracks in there i'm going to start realizing you know the challenges that you have and issues that you have and then all of a sudden you're not it, it diminishes the energy that I, I initially received from you i don't want to know everything the rock is doing 24 7 is going to it's going to take that image right um so the closer we get to something that we think is so beautiful then the more damaging it can be i mean there's a reason why you can't stare at the sun and that we you know we are light years away from the sun yes it's beautiful from a distance not every flower needs to be uh plucked love that amazing Poetic. I thought you you've been blowing the mind this whole conversation. Mm. Um and you know it's 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 also it's almost so bittersweet. Sweet. This is one of these conversations where like, what else can we dig out? What else can we come up with? Right. Um, but I know that we have to, you know, wrap the conversation. <laughs> um well, well, you know, to to a part that you know we haven't discussed is when we think about franchise players, we usually think about the work. We usually think about the effort, right? You think about you sending out the emails, the Zoom links, organizing, connecting with people. We think about grandma cooking, the whispering. In order to be an effective franchise player, we also have to know how to one, celebrate our wins, and two, how to rest and reset. Mm. We can get so addicted to feeling needed by others. Like everybody needs me. I can't take any time off. If I do that, it, the, the whole thing will be ruined. It'll collapse. The family will start arguing. It'll all, it'll all, you know, sink. And, and then what will be, what will happen? It'll, it'll, my life's work will be destroyed. And if that's the case, then you still have work to do as a franchise player because if you're the centerpiece, part of the, the obligation or responsibility is to build up the people around you so that you don't have to be there every time. 
You don't have to check behind their work. It's about teaching them, empowering them, giving them the freedom to grow and nurturing them so that you can trust them when you're not there. The mark to, of a great parent is what the kids do when the parent is not around, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What do the kids do yeah. when mom and dad leave the room? Now we know how well your, your parenting skills are. What happens when a dog leaves the owner in the car for 10 minutes and comes back or leaves them at the house for an hour? What happens? Now we know how you are they are they have they bought into the vision and the idea to where they've accepted it or are they just doing what you told them to do and now they're resenting you and talking behind your back love that i love yeah. that you added that piece oh man i have to be honest this entire conversation is not where i thought we were going which is I know which that's so awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's been uh, it, it's been pretty mind blowing because I thought we were going to head in a totally different direction. That's what I love about this conversation. I appreciated that last piece too because um, I think a lot of people put that weight and that pressure yeah. on themselves, and so it just added another layer to what it means to be not only franchisable, but to be effectively yeah. franchisable. Yeah, totally, right? Mark. Yeah, that. that was super helpful. Wow. You know, the Gottmans wow. talk about in relationships, this idea of uh, the, the two things that are, that are most important are ruptures and repairs. Mm. When, when, we're, when we're in a relationship, whether it's romantic or professionally, there will be ruptures. I will say something that will offend you, that will hurt you, that will bother you, that will get under your skin, that you may even deem uh, as harassment. And, and vice versa, you will say something to me at some point, if we work together long enough, often enough, we're just gonna start rubbing each other the wrong way on some level. And what's important is not, is, is not that we don't do those things. What's more important is that we know how, how to repair those ruptures when they take place yeah. right it's like we just bought a new house beautiful house but it's not new in terms of it was just built but it's new for us and there are different things that have to be fixed and repaired and yeah. as long as you know it's repairable within our means then it's fine oh you know the dishwasher broke okay call the dishwasher guy and he'll come fix that. Not a big deal. Oh, you know, the there's a crack in the, in the door frame. Okay, call the door guy. Fix that. Not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Now, when we start having cracks and ruptures and things breaking down, and we don't know how to fix it, and then we don't know anybody else who can fix it, now we're going to start to have problems. And then those problems proliferate and compound. So it's about knowing and accepting, one, that there will be things said and done that will bother you and irritate you or frustrate you. But we have to be able to communicate those things, right? If, if I notice that the dishwasher is broken and my girlfriend notices and neither one of us says anything about it, then it stays broken. So if I say something that, if you feel like I said something that bothered you, let me know. I may not be aware because of the culture, my cultural background, my character. There's so many different reasons why I may have said what I said to you 
that have nothing to do with you and have more to do with me and my past experiences or the current context of the situation. But we cannot repair until we acknowledge that there has been a rupture mm. and then we can move forward. Awesome. So many awesome. layers of that. There, there really are, there really are. So, you know, we, we started off this conversation with how do you become franchisable? And I agree with you, Kathy. I thought this conversation was gonna go in a completely different way, or at least I did not expect it to go here. And Leo, you've already had so, I, it was like you already knew all of this. You really dropped the mic in the first two minutes. <laughs> right. and, then, and then it was just a shower of mics after that, right? <laughs> um, on behalf of Kathy, what, what I'm curious about is, since we started this conversation about an hour ago, how has this idea grown or expanded or transformed or evolved for you? Wow, that is a great question. And, you know, I actually was taking notes. And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me was when uh, Kathy said that here I am versus there you are. And what it brought back to mind was when I was talking about the Onda group. And when I initially was talking about it, I was talking about, you know, a group of guys to support me. And I realized in hearing Mark say that back to me, how selfish that can sound and how self-absorbed and, oh, okay, this guy's just doing this for myself. And yes, it is absolutely selfish. And I went into it with selfish intentions. And I think that a lot of people don't admit when they're doing something for themselves because they feel guilty. Like, oh, no, no, I don't want to do anything for myself here. You can have it. You can share it. No, I'm doing this for all of us. It's like, no, no, I, I got needs. I have wants. And part of, of that was I wanted to feel connected and I wanted to have conversations with someone other than my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, I want to create like a barbershop. I'm from Chicago. I grew up in a, you go to the barbershop every Sunday, right? And that's where you do all your trash talking and you can say whatever you want. The, the PC police ain't around, that kind of thing. And I was missing that vibe in San Diego. So I went into it with selfish reasons. And then what happens is it evolved to starting the group for me and then realizing that this group is for us, right? Mm -hmm. That's where we are now. And then the next level would be for our group to be for the community and the world around us to where maybe we're doing projects, you know, like uh, for other people in different communities or, you know, uh, we start a foundation or, or something like that where some way we are of service to other people so that uh, as a way of uh, showing our gratitude for the world around us. So, you know, I, I really want to highlight this idea that it is perfect uh -oh. to go into something for selfish reasons. It's if we stay there, that's where it becomes troubling and stagnant. We don't want to be a swamp. We want to be a river, right? We want to be, a, we want to be uh, the ocean, where the ocean is the ocean, even though it flows into rivers and ravines, it doesn't diminish it from being a river. So the ocean, even the ocean is willing to 
to go into these little nooks and crannies and get small. It, you know, the ocean's not like, man, that river's too small for me. It's like, no. <laughs> and then the river's not like, well, the ocean's too big for me. The river's willing to become an ocean and the ocean's willing to become a river. Mm. And, and that's how we keep things moving. That is a beautiful metaphor. That is a beautiful metaphor. Um, I got to ask you, at, 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 um, as a rap, first of all, thank you. I think you taught Kathy and I and everybody who's watching how to be franchisable um, and how to accept this idea. And it's, it's so amazing. And I think people are going to walk away. And Kathy, you know, I'm already going to be having this conversation at the dinner table, yeah, as are. I always do, right? <laughs> um, Leo, just tell everybody who's watching if they want to learn from you, if they want to get in touch with you because they want to learn more about this whole concept of how to be franchisable, how do they reach out to Leo Flowers? You can go to my website, thrivewithleo.com, thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, withleo.com. And then you can uh, email me and, uh, you know, we can get the conversation, we can keep the conversation going. I'd love to talk to you. And, and as part of you know, why I love being on a podcast, because I love being of service. And I also love hearing other people's stories and their journeys. That's what that's what I really love is this opportunity to hear about how, how other people live. It's part of why I read, you know, a lot of books. And, um, you know, I was reading uh, uh, John D. Rockefeller. And, and people don't know, he used to pick up hitchhikers. He used to pick up hitchhikers as he got older because he wanted to talk to other people and, and hear their stories. And so stories really is what connects us. So please reach out to me at Thrive with Leo because I'd love to hear your story. Mm, Wonderful. I love that. And to, yeah. And to everybody watching, we love being of service to you. We love exchanging stories with you. We love talking about your ideas with you so you can get those stories and, and those ideas and everything out to the world. So if you want to be just like Leo, AKA the Drake of comedians, <laughs> don't think I wasn't going to put that one in there, right? If no you want to be right? like Leo and have that conversation with Kathy and I, hit us up at marking, it's about to go down show or send us an email, Mark with a C, Kathy with an E. We would love to have a conversation with you or if you know somebody who has an idea and would love to have this idea conversation with two people who just love talking about ideas, set, get in touch with us and we would love to have you on an episode if it's about to go down. So with that said, Mr. Leo Flowers, thank you for your knowledge. Kathy, thank you for your love and your sisterhood. Thank you everybody for watching and we'll see you next time on It's About To Go Down. Woo!